Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we open up your word now and we recognise that it's only by your spirit that you can bring life, that you can bring transformation. And so as we read, as we reflect and as we meditate, we pray that you will work in and through, by your spirit, through your word to continue to bring transformation, encouragement and comfort to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, continuing on in our uh, sermon, uh, in our sermon series on, on Hebrews, we're now up to Hebrews chapter 11. And out of all of the book of Hebrews, this, this has always been my favourite chapter. So thank you, Steve and Paul, for allowing me, or it was just the way it was organised, that it got to Hebrews chapter 11 and I get the opportunity to preach this one. Um, and look, I'm sure many of you have got favourite Bible passages, you know, whether it's the 1 Corinthians 13 love passage or whether it's the Psalm 23 or the John 3.16 or the Ten Commandments or the what, what, whatever, um, we've all got a favourite one. And this, is, this one sort of sits quite high for me. Now, for a couple of reasons, I love Hebrews 11. And the first one is this, it just gives a great overview of the Old Testament. Now, I'll let you know that I'm not going to read all of Hebrews 11 this morning. It is quite a long chapter. And so I would encourage you and expect you to spend some time reading through it. Now, I'd also hope that you've got a study guide because it's got some leading questions to help you dig in to this chapter. I'm only going to touch on the, the, the whole passage, but spend most of our time in the first few verses. But the other reason why I like it, not only does it give us an overview of the Old Testament, but it's all about faith. And as we read in Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is not an optional extra in the Christian uh, world. It is impossible to serve without faith. Faith is foundational to our lives. So to give us a snapshot of the Old Testament, this is what Hebrews 11 does, and to encourage us in faith. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 17 verse 5 Luke chapter 17 verse 5 the disciples came to Jesus and they asked this question they said Lord increase our faith increase our faith even the disciples in those early days there recognized faith was crucial uh, to growing and getting to know him would you ask that of Jesus increase my faith let me ask you this question how how is your faith? Is your faith growing? Has it sort of plateaued? Maybe declining? The question, do you want to grow in faith? I'm hoping most of you would put up your hand and say yes. So as I sort of said, I'm not going to read through all of Hebrews 11. I trust that you will reflect on it in your own time. I'm only going to spend most of my time in the first two verses. The first two verses, Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. Because I think this, these first two verses set up the rest of the chapter. And it goes like this, Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Now, I'm going to break this down into, into two parts, and I'm going to look at the, the second verse a little bit later on. So these two parts are this. 
Faith is being sure of what you hope for. And the second part is faith is being certain of what you do not see. Looking at these two verses, let's step through it. And the first part is this. Faith is being sure of what you hope for. It's important to note that Hebrews 11 didn't introduce, the writer of Hebrews 11 didn't introduce a new concept and go, oh, for the first time, you're going to hear about this concept called faith. Faith is mentioned throughout Hebrews chapter 4, chapter 6, chapter 10. The word faith is actually mentioned 31 times in Hebrews and 24 just in chapter 11. Now, remember, this book of the Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians who were being persecuted. And much of the book links Old Testament. So they go, here's the Old Testament, but here is what is fulfilled now in Christ. Here's where we've moved from, and here we go too. Now, even just last week, Paul talked about in Hebrew, in, in chapter 10, about Christ's sacrifice. The sacrifices that were made in the Old Testament and now the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, which gives us confidence to approach God. It encourages the readers to hold on to that truth. Hold on to the truth that Christ is the perfect sacrifice. Build confidence in that promise. Now, even as a matter of fact, last week, Um, In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, we read, The righteous will live by faith, which was a reference to an Old Testament passage in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. The writer is linking this Old Testament through uh, here. Paul also did it. The Apostle Paul also did it in Galatians and Romans. As a matter of fact, it was this particular concept, the righteous will live by faith, that transformed Martin Luther way back in the Middle Ages that kicked off the Reformation. It is an absolutely vital concept for us to be understand. The righteous will live by faith. Do you want to be justified? Do you want your sins forgiven? Do you want to be made righteous before God? Yes? Hmm. You must live by faith. Faith starts us in our Christian journey. Faith sustains us all the way. We are heaven bound, but at the moment we're contained here on earth. And I don't know about you, but we don't see the fullness of God. We don't see the fullness of our salvation. We don't see the fullness of God's kingdom, do we? So in the meanwhile, while we're contained here on earth, we need to live by faith for we do not see that fullness. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says we have this confidence in other words we are being sure being sure equals a sure and strong foundation as a matter of fact if we want to break that down to exactly what the word and the intention of the writer is that this being sure is a building term and this building term is that which goes underneath something which causes or makes it to stand that's being sure. It's, it's a building term. It's ensuring that we have a strong foundation, a substructure. Faith then is foundational. It's not an optional extra for the Christian faith. The stronger your foundation, the stronger your life. Now, a great example of this 
is there were thousands of homes that were directly affected by the floods in Lismore back in March. There were homes that had their, their walls wrecked. They had gyp rock that had to be replaced. There was the electrics that were, were failing and need to be replaced. There was floor coverings that were, had to be thrown out. But for a number of these houses, the foundations were strong. And even though there was a whole lot of turmoil within the house, if the foundations were strong, the occupants were allowed to go back and live there again and start to rebuild. Correct? Now, there were some other homes, and I saw pictures of other homes that didn't seem to be badly affected at all. Still seemed to be workable inside the home, but the foundations had given way. And even though things could look okay inside the house, if the foundations are not okay, that house was condemned and people could not live there anymore. How important are foundations? Crucial. And in the same way, the writer here says that faith is foundational. Foundational. Without faith, Life gets very shaky and with faith we can have a confidence and assurance in Christ. Look again at Hebrews 11. He says he's being sure of the hope. Hope. Now what does he mean by hope? Basically you could describe it as to wait with confidence and assurance. Now this word, and it's, it's, the, it's the failing of the English language that we use this word hope in a number of different ways. Too often we use the word hope as sort of a, a wishful thinking. Do you think things will get better? I hope. I hope they do. I've even seen this word bettered around around Lismore. We, we, we have this hope. Well, it's kind of a wishful thinking because it may not be based on anything substantial. It's just, I, I will it to happen. Have a look at Psalm Five. Well, I'm going to put it up on the board. Psalm 5 is a psalm of lament that the King David wrote as he was crying out for help. He was in all sorts of distress. But we get to verse 3 of Psalm 5 and we read this. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. A words of hope. Someone who's in distress, it's a psalm of lament, it's a psalm for a cry of help. But in the midst of this, David writes this and he goes, I have a faith to know that he hears me. And if he hears me, I can just wait and recognise that he is here. What do you think of that? Does it speak to you? In a world of hopelessness, David, full of hope and confidence, bringing this prayer before God. And it leads us straight into Hebrews chapter 11. Foundational hope brings a confident hope. Now, the second point is this. Faith is being certain of what you do not see. That's what the second part of Hebrews 11.1 1 says. It's being certain of what you do not see. The NIV uses the word assurance. It gives us the assurance, which equals, I guess, the terms being certain. 
Now, two weeks ago, Steve talked and he was preaching on uh, chapter 10 and we talked about the Old Testament being kind of a, a shadow. And a shadow is not the real thing, isn't it? A shadow just points to something that's real. Isn't that what you said, Steve? And the real thing is Jesus. And so the Old Testament is a shadow that points to Jesus and it refers to in Hebrews here as Jesus being the authentic one, the real one. And without the, uh, in, in the 10 chapters of Hebrews really builds that whole concept all the way through. Biblical faith is not a fantasy or a wish, but a concrete reality. Is that the case for you? The biblical faith is a concrete reality. Two things we need to grasp from this concept. The first one is this. If you can see it, it's not faith. Faith and sight are opposite things. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul writes this. He says, For we live by faith, not by sight. Correct? Faith and sight, opposite concepts. If my car breaks down and the mechanic says it's going to cost you $500, meanwhile I've got $10,000 sitting in my wallet, wishful thinking, um, I had it in there. Does that require faith? No, because I can see it. I can comprehend it. I can understand that. It doesn't require faith for me to pay that bill. But if I didn't, it's a different matter. When I'm doing the things that I do every day, like you do every day, it doesn't require a lot of faith, does it? But when things turn upside down, We've heard a story here this morning of, a, of a, the world of, of Ivan and Dharma have turned upside down, of other people whose lives have turned upside down. It's a different matter. It requires faith because we cannot see. We cannot see the outcome. Do you remember Thomas the disciple? Thomas missed out when Jesus first appeared to the disciples, didn't he? And he was talking to the disciples later on and he goes, I don't believe you. Unless I actually see Jesus for myself, unless I actually touch the wounds and I, I see him, I'm not going to believe for myself. Now, a little bit later on, Thomas gets the opportunity to see Jesus and touch his wounds and everything. There's this great reply from Jesus where Jesus says to Thomas, he says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's you and I, isn't it? Unless you've seen something I haven't. We live in this concept of not seeing, but being called to believe. And I think too often what happens is we ask God to give us some sort of a tangible miracle that will prove without doubt that he is alive and he's calling us to say, believe, believe. Live by faith, not by sight. The second part of all of this is, if it's not real, then it's also not faith. If it's not real. True faith is not about being certain about non-realities, but those that are true 
and real. Is Christ a reality? If I was to buy a, a lottery ticket and I'm going to, I'm, I believe I'm going to win, and you could ask, well, set based on, and you go, well, I'm, I'm just going to believe. Just going to believe. Now, that's not based on a reality, is it? It's based on wishful thinking. It's based on a, on a fantasy or the, the odds of, you know, one in 10 million or whatever it may be. Look at what the New English Bible translation says about Hebrews 11.1. 1. The New English Bible translation says, Faith makes us certain of realities we do not see. Now, what are, what are your realities? Now, I'm standing on this stage. I know who built the foundations of this stage. Um, Warren Simpson, are you here this morning? Ten years ago or so, Warren Simpson built this stage. He built the foundations. I was there. I saw... He, I don't know a lot about foundations, but I know they're pretty strong. So when I'm up here, I'm... I'm quite confident about the foundations on this stage. And I'm based on it on a number of other reasons. Not only do I know Warren Simpson, not only do I know the job that he did. I have stood up here many times and it hasn't fallen in yet. So there's a growing confidence every time I get up here, everything's okay. I've seen other people get up on this stage and they haven't fallen through. There's a growing confidence that I have every time I get up here it's quite firm. Now, I'm sure that if I invited you up here, you're not going to go, is the foundations of the stage okay? You've seen it happen, haven't you? There's a growing confidence of the reality of the foundations of this stage. In a similar way, I'm standing in, in my life and I know who paid the way for me to be able to stand in my life. I know the, the reality through his word, through history of what Christ has done for me and the foundation that he has laid for me by paying the price, the cost, that I may live in the kingdom of God forever. I've seen it in other people's lives. I've been inspired by other people. And I read his word and it continues to confirm to me that I have this growing confidence I've tested this foundation over and over throughout and it's been tested on me. And over 40 plus years that I've been a follower of Jesus, it's proven itself to, to stand the test every time. Anybody else agree with that in their lives? Okay, you've seen it. You've seen it in your own life. You've seen it in his word. You've seen it in the lives of others. Foundational faith. And I continue to stand and I've witnessed in all of that in my life. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, verse 1 gives us a definition. Then we move over into verse 2. And we read this. Faith is what the Old Testament believers were commended for. We read that. Hebrew, verse 2 tells us why definitions are important. Now, look at verse 2. You can see here, and it says, 
Uh, this is what the ancients were commended for. Now, who are the ancients? Basically, the forefathers of faith in the Old Testament. Now, I wish that I could spend all morning talking with you about all of those characters, what happened in their lives, cross-reference it back to the Old Testament. That's your job within your growth groups and on your own. I, I really encourage you to do that. Examples of faith. They're more than just historical accounts. As a matter of fact, look at what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 6. He said, referring to other Old Testament examples, he said, these things occurred as examples for us. So in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4 and onwards, we get the examples of these Old Testament characters commended for their faith. Now, what does it mean by commended? It's kind of like a, a report card, a report card of these characters in the Old Testament. You can read through it. We read through about, about um, Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and Moses and David and Joseph and Rahab and it goes on and on and on. Here's a key in all of this. They were commended not for perfect character, but for their faith. Do you want me to say that again? They were commended not for their perfect character, but for their faith. It's a key thing. All of these characters had flaws. Now, we read about all of these characters, not going to go into the detail, and this Hebrews 11 talks about their great faith. Yet, talks about Abraham, but Abraham was a liar, wasn't he? Isaac was deceptive. Jacob also was a liar. Moses was a murderer. He had a bad temper. David, don't get me started on David, he was an adulterer, wasn't he? Noah? Noah was a drunkard. All of these people had character flaws. Why were they included in Hebrews Chapter 11, because they lived by faith. Now, they didn't live perfect lives. They all just believed God when they couldn't see the answer. And the rest of Hebrews 11 is simply this running commentary on Hebrews 11, verse 1. What does that mean for us? I think it means a lot. Anybody here not perfect? Anybody here got character flaws? Please fess up, please. Anybody here got character flaws? Erica does? Steve's okay. So if you've got a character flaw, you sit nice and neatly within the Old Testament characters of the Old Testament. You know those? Okay? We're not really any different. Do we feel like we're not good enough for God? There's probably many of us who could also put up the end. Don't feel we're good enough. And some of you go, well, when you talk about faith, you look at those old characters in, in the Old Testament, they must have had a lot of faith. I reckon my faith is only about the size of a mustard seed. That's all you need. Let's just start with a bit of mustard seed faith. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying here? Too often we beat ourselves up. We think we're not good enough. And that's the great thing about the Bible. The Bible just has stories of 
ordinary people. Trust us, we're ordinary people, aren't we? Sorry, I'm speaking on behalf of you all here. Ordinary people. Now, the interesting thing is, I think too often, the whole passage of Hebrews 11, we finish it at the end of chapter 11. We finish it there and go, Old Testament characters lived by faith. It doesn't. The whole concept doesn't finish there. Steve alluded to it. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12. And Hebrews chapter 12, the first word in Hebrews chapter 12 is, therefore. So it's continuing on the concept, therefore, what happens in Hebrews 11, in some ways, is the greatest example of faith. Let's have a look. And it's more like the writer is saying, okay, there's Old Testament people with good faith. You want to know the greatest example of faith? Look at this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the rates marked out for us. And here we are. Here we are. After eight weeks, here's the word, fixing our eyes on Jesus. If you want to be inspired by faith, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus Christ, the climax of the list of the heroes of faith. I don't know why it got tied up into chapter 12. It needs, needs to fit back in chapter 11 where it says, the greatest of all of these, fix your eyes on Jesus. Note, the writer doesn't tell us to fix our eyes on any of the Old Testament characters, does it? It doesn't say, fix your eyes on Moses, fix your eyes on Noah, fix your eyes on Abraham, great people, but doesn't say to fix your eyes on them, does it? There's only one person we're called to fix our eyes on. The one with no sin. The one that who endured by faith and accomplished by faith all that we need to live the life that he's called us to. Jesus here stands as our supreme example. Therefore, fix your eyes on him. Can I pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for what you're saying to us through Hebrews 11 and 12. And, and we recognize, we recognize we have character flaws. We recognize we've fallen short. We recognize we have lots of questions. We've, we've lied. We've deceived. We've done all, you know, those sort of things. And we feel we're not good enough. Yet your word says something very different. That through Christ, what has been accomplished? Sinners who have fallen short are forgiven through Christ and are invited in to the kingdom of God. And so I pray, Heavenly Father, as we reflect on Hebrews 11 and the first few verses of Hebrews 12, that you will continue to speak to us and inspire us to, to live by faith on this, this foundation that can never be shaken, 
All sort of turmoil can be happening in our lives. And yet we will continue to stand on the foundation of the reality of Jesus Christ. The real thing. Not just shadow, the the real thing. We ask you, Heavenly Father, to continue to guide us and lead us by your Spirit to stand even when all else has fallen. Because we know, by faith, the strong and sure foundation of Jesus Christ in our life. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.